Welcome to Tenet Men. Steve and I am joined by Kevin and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high concept time travel film Tenet. We are doing a minute by minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film and Kevin is on the blue team moving backwards. How are you Kevin? I am a little dizzy but I'm confident that I understand where I am in the realm of this movie and the realm of my real life. Um, it's <laughs> It got increasingly harder when we got into the final third act action scene to be moving backwards through the film. <laughs> this is uh, no easy task that we've been assigned, but I think we are the men to do it. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh. <laughs> I have faith that we <laughs> <laughs> we'll accomplish this mission. I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm confident in your faith. <laughs> I'm also reading the script backwards, which is very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right to left and everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I am on the blue team. I am moving forward through the movie. My minute today is uh, minute marker 1021 to 1121. We are on the boat uh, after our fake suicide uh, and in the middle of some really horrific dialogue. Are you ready to, to jump into this? Definitely. My minute's pretty crazy, so I want to get to it, but your minute's interesting too. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. Okay. So we pick up where we left off with where I stand by is the worst piece of dialogue in this film. <laughs> Uh, at 1021, uh, it's a, he says something like, we're in the middle of a cold war. And then he says, cold as ice. Uh, Just to dialogue. confirm how cold it is. <laughs> right. worst, worst dialogue. Uh, fight me if you want and hit us up at Tenement on Twitter or give us a review on any platform if, where you've, yeah, uh, it, you've found if, us. If you want us to reply on Twitter, hit us up on Twitter. If you want us to reply on the podcast, the only way to do that is to get us to leave is to leave a review for us on whatever platform you found us, Spotify, Apple, whatever, leave us a review, uh, pose your question in there, and we will address it at some point. Uh, so then he continues uh, on with uh, with a line that's actually not that bad. Uh, to even know its true nature is to lose. Uh, this is knowledge divided. I like that. I like that. It sets up a nice little tone and theme for the rest of the movie. You leave your head scratching, like, what does knowledge divided mean? Like, I, I like this. It's important to understand that, to understand where the movie is, go to truly understand, like, how <laughs> all the plots work, how the temporal pincer works. Um, it's knowledge divided. And it has something to do with, like, the physics of, like, the observation principle. Like, if you, in physics, if you observe something, it changes, and you observe it again, it could change in, in a different way. And there's... It's quantum uh, mechanics. Exactly. That's what I was getting at. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, because there's... if you don't understand that, you, you, you really, you can enjoy the movie, but to truly know like what everybody's motivation is, you kind of have to understand why knowledge has to be divided. Um, 
And then he follows that up with another uh, just cringy moment <laughs> in this film. Uh, he says, all I have for you is a gesture in combination with a word. And then he does this funky thing with his hands, uh, which is, is just weird. I don't like it's, it. it doesn't... In the script, it just uh, says he interlaces his fingers, um, uh, which, again, this gesture just kind of like, it's important for all of like 10 minutes of the film and we never see it again. I wish like like everyone involved would like um like prove themselves a part of this by like giving each other that handshake, right? Like, or like if, the, if the first time the protagonist and Neil meet, they give each other that corny little interlaced finger handshake. Or Ives uh, or, or Ives, and, yeah. and, or Mahir or any of these guys. <laughs> right. Uh that would be it actually would be super cringy, but <laughs> unless it was a specific symbol just given to this protagonist, yeah, for the the one person he uses it on to uh, <laughs> confirm that he is the protagonist, well, actually, well, maybe that's it. He so he does the the corny gesture, and then he says, okay. "Use it carefully." <laughs> yeah, and I, then he uh, says he goes on to say something that's like, "You're going to use it uncarefully." <laughs> Use it, use it carefully. Uh, it'll open the right doors, but some of the wrong ones too. I just think it's really funny. I just want to pause for a second. Like, here's this funny looking handshake. <laughs> use it carefully. Uh, if this is how the CIA operates, then then count me in because I'm I'm full of ridiculousness. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right, I'm, I, I'm done. Yeah, and and we should come up with our own tenant men symbol, like. Like, I don't know. Have you ever seen this one? Yeah, it's uh, the is that the church and the steeple and the people? No, that's no, not that's it. not the church and the steeple <laughs> and the people. It's completely different. I don't know what you're doing. No one can see. <laughs> it's hard you. to describe. <laughs> this is yeah. Um, it'll open the right doors, but it'll open <laughs> the wrong ones too. Uh, thanks, Freddie, foreshadowing. He, he only uses it once, though, and it seems to be the right door. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get to that in just a couple yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah, yeah. or and by minutes I mean episodes. Um, and then the protagonist responds with, "That's all they've told you." And then uh, Faye says, uh, "That test you passed, not everyone does," which uh, is is great because it's really just telling the protagonist, "You're not our first choice." <laughs> which we kind of uh, the script kind of alludes to more than the movie does with the fact that he says we swapped your pill out with a sedative but the pill he ate wasn't his own which means was all the were all the pills sedatives were um, they all being tested i i mean i imagine and he's the only one who passed they, he didn't say you're the only one who passed he said not everyone not everybody passed oh. um so I mean, we know there's other people involved in the tenant world. So, yes, everybody. Like, does Neil go through this? Does way? I? Yeah, does Ives go through this? I don't know. Oh, I had a thought just on the the potential sequel. Like we've never seen Nolan do a sequel besides the Batman trilogies. But um, uh, what what would you think if um, uh, Denzel plays old man protagonist? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm game. I like it because uh, I think I admitted last week that I didn't know until last week that Denzel <laughs> is, uh, you know, the protagonist's real life father. So 
I'm I'm game. But now I watch this and I'm like, how did I not know it? They sound exactly alike. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, that's the end of the dialogue in my scene. That brings us to 1056. We're on a small transport boat heading towards a windmill. Um, really, really awesome visual here, actually. Uh, you know, Christopher Nolan does find awesome locations and awesome sets to work with. Uh, I don't know. I like, I just, I really like the visual of, um, you know, this vast ocean with uh, windmills just spread all, all throughout. Um, at 11.14, we approach our windmill, uh, which is like a tiny house. <laughs> and uh, I learned something. <laughs> that you can uh, you can live in those things yeah i mean it's like, gotta be I, cold <laughs> that's okay i can bring like a space heat i mean yeah my office is cold i have a space heater in it <laughs> so i imagine constant electricity <laughs> yeah exactly yeah the wind that's a huge wind right there mm-hmm. uh at 11:14, he walks onto the platform he looks around suspiciously uh and i like to think that he's thinking to himself that this looks like the perfect place to do pull-ups <laughs> That that would be the worst part of working for Tenet is all the hours just doing pull-ups in a windmill or on a boat. Well, it's <laughs> it's a it's a plus and a minus, right? I mean, he looks fantastic. <laughs> That's how he spends. Well, we 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 kind of got into a quagmire of conversation last time in our last minute about what the blue team does while they're traveling in their shipping containers to the Stalag. Uh, site they have right. to because they're they're inverted so they're traveling backwards to the point of um well no they travel the, forward they try they oh, travel yeah, forward on. through time first to get to the end of it to invert themselves and then work they have to wait the, they have to wait the 10 minutes till it right. starts so in like, their in their in their version that's what um, this is here too right so and yeah i think that's the point you wanted to get this is the it, end of my minute by the way so he enters the windmill he looks up right why is he in the windmill right and this i'll I, let you this is your your theory and i think okay uh, so it's that they have to they they you only go through a temporal pincer once um i i'm certain that both teams get briefings by the other team and you're not so certain but i'm certain that both teams get um briefings by the other team but the blue team when they're traveling to the point where they're going to start their mission they are in isolation um, because they cannot um, observe what's going to happen um, again the observation uh, principle and also it, it it all needs to be experienced in one uh, fluid motion uh, for it all to work so it, it that's also why every time they go into a turnstile they put themselves immediately into some sort of a capsule, um, a shipping container or something so that they are isolated. One, they have to breathe different oxygen and a whole bunch of other stuff. They can't come in contact with too much of the outside world. Um, and also this the observation of it all. But uh, right. why is he in isolation here in this moment? Is it just to pass him off to another exfil team well so it's it this is the knowledge divided right to your point yeah. right so this is this is the the schrodinger, the schrodinger cat theory right so I, like, this is this is coming this this is like the quantum mechanics of it right yeah uh, if you an observe event then it happens in that way um but if you don't observe it then you don't know how it's going to end right and i think that's what you're getting at here right yes. so he has to stay he has to stay uh, away and secluded because if he sees what happens, then uh, what's happened has happened. What's happened's happened, right? Which is yeah. so. If you observe it, it definitely happens. 
Right. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. But if it's unobserved, you still have the potential to affect it. Right. Okay. And this is not this is not <laughs> philosophy, folks. This is science, right? This is real life quantum mechanics. That's how it works. Uh, this is fiction. It is a no, no, no. <laughs> piece the, of fictional the, film. The physics part is real. The physics part is real, right? Which, yes. If if people were particles, yes. People are not particles. So, people but, yes. are an aggregate of particles. Perfect. <laughs> yes, well, leave it well, at that. <laughs> oh, I, I'm I'm feeling another podcast coming on. Where we can debate, you know, relativity and quantum mechanics. Um, anyway, we'll put that aside for now. Yes. So yeah, that's why that's why he's in the windmill because he cannot observe the events that are about to unfold. Um, and same thing from last week's minute, right? How do the people at the the end of the mission that that Stalag mission? How do they get to the end to invert themselves? Right? They must be in a container for you know the duration of that mission and mm-hmm. then do their briefing and then go back doing sit-ups in a shipping container uh, yeah that <laughs> whole, the whole unit was doing sit-ups and yeah calisthenics and right. <laughs> and that's yeah. the end so i think uh red team you're up okay red team has a hell of a minute here so let's uh let's rush right into it um, okay, the one thing I have to note here is that me and you had a conversation about what's going on with Ives in my minute, and I had to... How does just... Ives get disabled when they're outside that locked door? Just Okay, so it's in the script and it's in the movie, but it happens so quickly, it's kind of confusing. Is that um, Volkov shoots at them initially. This is not in my minute. This is I'll cover this in future minutes. So what you need to know for my minute is Ives is already on the floor incapacitated. He's not in the conversation. He is not actively participating in the mission at this point. He is writhing on the ground in pain because Volkov, when he first notices them, shoots at them. It, there's kind of like a ricochet or it hits him in the helmet. It doesn't kill him. It doesn't hurt him. It just incapacitates him conveniently um, for this part of the film. Um, it's right after... The protagonist notices the the totem on or the the talesman on Neil's backpack, um, and then that happens. And then we have a prolonged conversation between the the protagonist and Sater over the walkie-talkie and the phone on the yacht. And that's kind of what we're in the middle of. Okay. Um, so he's shot. Okay. He, he's yeah. shot or ricocheted shot. Like he's not dead, but he's been he's been injured. You really don't see that. Yeah. It happens. So, there's so many moving pieces. Uh, it took me so long to kind of figure this out and confirm it with the script that that's okay. what's going on. I thought maybe it was like a reverse injury that happens when the, what's going to happen in my minute. So let's get through it. So we begin with um, in the um, on the screen we see Volkov. Um, trying to drop the algorithm into the well. He hits the trigger, but only one of the two latches releases. Um, And that's what's going to set up the struggle later on, that they're fighting to pull the quick release to drop it into the well. Um, Satyrs on the phone with the protagonist. He says, our time is up. Uh, And then he looks at Kat uh, on the yacht, and he says, and he's talking to the protagonist. He says, I'll give my wife your love. And the protagonist corrects him and says, you've forgotten. I haven't met her yet. <laughs> Which is interesting because the protagonist knows that that is the cat that he knows. And Sater 
has screwed up. Sater's mm-hmm. <laughs> Sater's like me. He's like, wait, which one is this? Oh yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, you haven't met her yet. You're right. <laughs> which he says. He says that's right. Uh, after you meet her, she dies. Yeah. From his perspective, observation, yes, she does die. Um, uh, so he says, I'll give her my love instead, which is a pretty uh, a badass thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so in the script something else happens in which um the protagonist uh um ives pulls out a handgun and um and some other uh stuff happens but more often than that like what we cut into back to is neil um rushing to get back into the car to drive up to where the crater is. And I have a theory about something that's going on there too. I'm not sure if I'm going to have time. Uh, But then Seder goes to hang up the phone. And as an afterthought, he goes, Oh, Volkov, uh, shoot him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) So Volkov, who's trying to do his job, all of a sudden gets another side mission from his boss, (laughs) which Okay, I'm done with my conversation. I shoot this guy in the head now. And so Volkov goes, picks up his gun, and the most meta-confusing part of the movie, um, picks up his gun, walks towards the protagonist uh, to shoot him. As he's pulling the trigger, the body that was laying in front of the door rises up (laughs) to come back to life, um, resurrecting himself in the eyes of the people who are moving forward through time to absorb the bullet that's meant for the protagonist. However, the person who absorbs the bullet is now alive and unlocks the door, releasing the protagonist into the chamber, um, which he does, and he attacks Volkov, and then the... Um, it's Neil. It's Neil who <laughs> resurrects himself we from know the this. grave. Yes. And he pulls the door back, holds it open, and then we see Ives. Um, this is my confusion when I'm like, wait, what happened to Ives? Ives is on the ground, like going, uh, what, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> the door's open now. <laughs> um, and then he rushes uh, 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 back in. Um, so here's, can we talk about this? Yes, let's talk about this. And then I have one off thing that I could talk okay. about another time. So. He, he he's not rising from the dead, right? He's you know, from he, his perspective, he's not. He's dying. Well, from his perspective, yeah, he he dies, right? But like from from our perspective, like moving normal normally through time, he is, and he's he's not taking a bullet here. That's the thing, right? This is this would be an inverted round coming out of his skull into Volkov's gun, and that's where this doesn't really make sense. It's, Okay, let me read it in the script. Okay. Because I've wondered whether that gun's inverted or not, too. Which it kind of gets back to my question of why Neil has an inverted gun in the opera house. Because it's very it's very rare in the movie that we see people moving forward in time using inverted guns, except for very few times. So it says, Volkov pulls the trigger, but the dead tenant soldier has risen to be in front of the gun, absorbing the bullet, and then leaping to one side, alive. Hmm. So if... Oh. <laughs> okay, can we think about this? Can I think about this quickly enough to... 
Okay, so let's say it's a regular gun. You're firing it at somebody who is inverted. The bullet's traveling one way. Oh, fuck, I can't think of this. No, wait, it does make sense. The bullet's traveling forward in time and hits the person who then falls. I guess dead. I guess it, it can be a regular bullet. I right? think it can be. So I guess when, when Volkov first gets down there, Neil's dead body is already there, right? Because it's already happened. It's already and happened. His, from, from his body's perspective, he's already dead. Right. Um, and that can only happen because he was, yeah, because Volkov and the protagonist, everybody is moving forward in time. And it's it's just a head trip that he's behind a locked door that he himself is going to open. Or right. lock. From his perspective, he's locking it. From his perspective. Uh, no, he's he's he unlocks it. So it must have already been locked when he got down there. He unlocked no, it. No, because okay, no, okay. <laughs> in my next minute, we're gonna see him come in. He comes in after he's already unlocked the but door. But when he came in, Volkov wasn't there. No, Volkov shot him. All in from Neil's perspective, everything that happens in this room happens right now. Volkov, the protagonist, and Ives all observe Neil invertedly running through the door, holding it open, and then locking it from their perspective. But from Neil's perspective, he is running through an open door while Ives and the protagonist are fighting, holds the door open, waits for them both to get out on the other side of the door, closes it, and locks it. Hmm. The door is locked because Neil locked it. But from our perspective, the door is open because Neil opens it. Which, mm. <laughs> it's probably the hardest part of this movie, only because it happens so quickly. You're so disoriented at this point. Um, yeah. Pretty confident I have at least 95% of that <laughs> scenario right. Because I spent a good amount of time on that door scenario. All right. I'll, I'll take your word for it for now. This might be a tenement extra in a couple of weeks. <laughs> If we're wrong, leave us a review <laughs> because I want to see other people's theories on how this works um, or, uh, or what happened to Ives or anything that we could be off about this. Or yes. is, that, is that gun inverted or not inverted? I guess it's not. I mean, I think you're right. Because right. if it shoots, you don't kill people. If it shoots Ives, it's, it's, it's not inverted. Right, and you like you don't you don't really kill people in forward time with an inverted gun. Inverted gun. We've talked about we've talked about this. Inverted guns don't make sense. Uh, and it, I I don't like that objects without agency can be inverted. It, right. it just it it looks cool as hell when like the building's unexploding and then exploding from a different angle. Um, that and not, it, by the way, that's also a very confusing moment in the film. We should talk about. I'm I'm already analyzing that <laughs> to explain it. Um. <laughs> you got you got all the hard stuff here in the first eleven episodes. <laughs> yeah, I knew once I got into the third act, it would be dizzying. I didn't think it would be this dizzying to have this. But okay, so one other thing I want to bring up: we it, my minute closes with Neil driving his Humvee mm -hmm. up up the ramp to get to the crater where he's going to pull out. 
pull out <laughs> he's going to pull out uh, ives and the protagonist as he's driving i thought these were mortar rounds that were going off mm-hmm. they are according to the script mines mm. which really made me stop and pause and rewatch the uh, both beginning and the end of this so what's happening is they are mines that are buried and we see them going off, but they're not killing people, which made me think they're mortars that are missing because they kind of look this, at least in movie language, they look the yeah. same. They're just explosions coming out of the ground. They are mines that are um, not inverted, that are about to be stepped on by inverted people who, from the mine's perspective, have already stepped on them. Where are the people? They're, they're, they've, from our perspective, they're about to step on them. From their perspective, they've already stepped on them. Hmm. I need to rewatch this. I don't, remember. I mean, that's very confusing because the, the truck is moving and the mines are going off um, and they're not hitting anything. Like a mine should be instantaneous, but because they're, unin, they're in, uninverted and the people are inverted, they have already stepped on them before they get to them. Hmm. Um, and I'm not so sure that really checks out. I'm trying to, and I also think there's inverted mines in there too, (laughs) because why, because you see some unexploding, which would mean there are inverted mines that are being blown up by people moving forward in time. It was horrible, horrible. You you, you do not want to get involved in inverted warfare. No, (laughs) (laughs) this may be worse than asymmetrical warfare. (laughs) Which is confusing enough. Um, yeah. Oof. So we'll see more mines. I'll try and get a better wrap my head around how those work better. Is that the end of your minute? I'm exhausted. Yes. My minute ends with um, Neil driving the car and then it cuts to a random um, uh, tenant soldier on the blue team. And I was looking at his eyes and I'm like, is this Neil? <laughs> Sometimes I can't. I'm like, I'm constantly looking at these soldiers going, is that another Neil? All you tenant Reddit people think everyone is Neil. <laughs> I know. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, that meme of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio going, oh, Neil. <laughs> that's an inverted Neil. <laughs> that's a that's a DH Michael Caine. Like, <laughs> but, there is another character who we're going to come across who is a there's a female leader of the blue team um, who, who's, I think, above Neil in the hierarchy. But I'm her, so glad that she's a female because her voice is so distinctive. I can clearly say that is not Neil. Her, <laughs> that is I, a female. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, and I just feel like her role is pointless. I think she's just there to be a not a not Neil. <laughs> not, it's like that is for sure not Neil. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, diversity. I love it. Well, a strong female character, right? That's what it's all about. I think she does die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I didn't I'll know come, that. Now I'll... I feel. Now I feel bad. Her, but her character, just like it could have been anyone, and that character just feels pointless because there's just there's no there's no character there, right? It's just this person that has like three lines, and there's like no there's just no point. If I... if her scenes did not exist the movie would be unchanged. Well, no, I'd be saying, I think that other guy who's screaming is Neil. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's a couple commands that she yells out. Like, you know, I think she even yells out, Neil, where the fuck are you going? (laughs) 
I, <laughs> I stand by. If, if her role, if every one of her scenes was cut, the 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 fabric of this movie is unchanged. I I think it just adds a dynamic to the to the sound, which is so confusing anyway. But it's just like a, it's a different voice. It's not all male voice. And also, um, you asked me about the music. I, I this was a bad minute to get into it, but there is when we're from like the blue team perspective, I think we're hearing Neil's theme, but I think it's in reverse. Mm. I'll touch on that in another time. I think, I think there's, there's definitely things going on music wise to cue you in who you're looking at, which move, which way your perspective is from. You know, I think we messed up. I think we should have done a temporal pincer movement just on this scene, just on the style, the style. Yeah. Scene. And maybe, I, maybe second by what... second. Maybe we do that sometime because not second by second, but like I'll cover the beginning of the mission. You cover the end of the mission. And then we meet up in the middle because that might, that yeah, might that will definitely get stuff. us into more arguments. Uh, All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, we are at time, uh, but this has been fun. Yeah. Leave us please. Or anyway, thank you for listening. everyone. <laughs> uh, this has been the tenant men podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please leave us a review a rate, a follow on whatever platform you found us on today. Again, if you leave us a review, even if it's one star or zero stars, if it's allowed, we will respond. Uh, yeah. And until next time, we'll, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends. Friends.